good to see all of you today. We're going to have a little bit of a shorter service today. We're going to have communion together. Surprise. <laughs> and um, that's, that's not cutting us short at all. Um, communion, the Lord's table, is the core of everything we do. It is what brings the body together as one. It's what reminds us of who we are. It's what reminds us of why we're loved in God through Christ. It reminds us of what binds us together. It's our confession of faith. It's our, it's our standard that we hold out of the world. It's Christ crucified. So let's remember that. It's what calls us to repentance, right? It's where we examine our hearts before the Lord and see, who am I? We ask, it's, not, it's not a bad thing to ask yourself that question. Who am I? Am I in Christ? Is Christ my only hope? So if you haven't been able to get your elements on the table out there, feel free to, to go out and do that. I'm just going to ask you to um, listen for a few more seconds with my gratitude to you of your being patient with me over the last three months. So I'm still working through things by God's grace. I, I saw a doctor, just want to let you know this, this past week, and we're going to start some new treatments this coming week. Pray for us. There's, there's more than what meets the eye, and I'll probably tell you more about it in the days ahead. I don't want to distract us from what's most important right now, but we're hopeful. But, and, and that's the theme that I want to talk about today as we come to the Lord's table, is hope. Do you know what hope is? Sometimes in, in this life, we, in the Christian walk, we often focus on faith, and that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's, it's the center of how we are in Christ. We are, God has ordained that the instrument of our being in Christ is faith. It's the instrument by which He justifies the ungodly is faith. But hope is another part of what the Gospel tells us about. And I want to rejoice in hope with you this morning. Before we look at some of those things together I want to invite you to examine your own hearts before the Lord. Because, as we know, the Apostle Paul in writing in 1 Corinthians 11 tells us to come to the table of the Lord with a seriousness as well. Because he says there, we take and many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Why was that? Well, in their case, it was because they were coming to the Lord, coming to the Lord's table in a... In a irreverent way. And I think for us, that means we, we must consider, am I coming depending upon Christ alone? Because if we take of the table of the Lord, trusting in something other than Christ for being right with God or something in addition to Christ, you know, Christ plus all these other rituals and, 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 and religious things, then we come unworthily those who come to the table are those who are coming dependent upon Christ alone. And, and then secondly, coming in repentance. Again, I always tell you this, not, not in perfection. That's different than being repentant because if we were to come having to be perfect, no one could come. But we can come as we're seeking to walk in repentance. And that means it, a believer can enter a phase in their life where they love sin so much that they're saying, you know, I am not willing to turn from this sin right now. I'm not willing to do that. 
I don't care what God's Word says. Can a believer get to that place in their life? Yeah, I think they can. I don't know for how long God says in His Word that He will bring them back. But yes, believers can struggle with sin. So, so if that's you, I would say to you, just listen. Listen to the words of the Gospel again. Don't partake. It would be irreverent of you to rejoice on the outside in the work of Christ and yet on the inside be harboring and loving sin. Do you see how that would be a complete contradiction and irreverent to the work of Christ? The, the, other, the other part of coming irreverently could be sins between believers. Right? Sometimes we say, I will never forgive that person. They've wronged me. I will not forgive. Again, how irreverent would it be to come to the Lord's table to celebrate the greatest act of forgiveness on the outside, but yet on the inside say, really in essence, no, the work of Christ is insufficient for me to forgive that person. Do you see how irreverent that would be and how contradictory? But believers can get there in their hearts. So I would encourage you this morning, if, if that's where you are, just listen. Be here with us, but listen. But if you're coming, and as far as you know before the Lord, you're trusting in Christ alone and longing to walk in repentance, then you celebrate this. Celebrate this freely because of Christ. Let me give you a few moments to examine your hearts before the Lord. As we fellowship at the Lord's table today, I want to talk to you about hope. And I'll tell you why I want to talk about hope first. We have our hope set on so many earthly things, don't we? I think that's sometimes why try us, trials shake us so deeply. Because we have our hope set on so many earthly things. Meaning, we love the things of earth so much and we don't want to let them go. So many different things. And they're gifts from God's hands, aren't they? They are. They're good. But we are not to have our hope set on them. Meaning, these earthly gifts that God gives are what brings me happiness and security and satisfaction and love and so on and so on. We have our hope set on so many earthly things. And we have our confidence to hold on to those things set on so many earthly things. But you know what? For the believer, we are truly called to have our hearts set in heaven. Aren't we? Heaven and earth are going to pass away. And every temporal thing that we enjoy in this life is going to pass away. So we are called to have our hearts set on heaven. It's a weird sort of paradox that we walk in. Like the Apostle Paul said, I long to be here with you. And I long to be with God. How do you do both? Right? That's, that's one of the, the areas where the Lord wants to grow us. Well, the Apostle Paul had his heart in heaven. Another book recommendation I'll give you to you. It's called The Glory of Heaven by John MacArthur. I've started to work through it. It calls us to have our heart set in heaven all the time. All the time. And that will help us to better let go in, in the losses of earth. 
and your thing is, is for the hope of heaven, upon whom are we called to hope that heaven will be ours? Christ and Christ alone. And that's really the heart of our communion today. I want to show you from some verses in God's Word that it is Christ alone upon whom we set our hope for heaven. Nothing else. Christ alone. He's sufficient. He's sufficient. And so, as we consider these things, let's kind of ask ourselves that question. What am I hoping in in this life? You know, sometimes it's easy to hope in the next paycheck or in the security of a home or in a doctor or a, a new treatment or, and, and, or a friendship to feel loved or you name it. There's, you, you put, we put our hope in things of earth and we expect something to come back to us from those things. And the Scripture calls us to set our hearts in heaven and put our hope on Christ alone. Christ can use anything He wants in life, right? To, to bring to us the things that we enjoy. He can use one another. But in this earth, everything is temporal, right? It's passing away. And so at the end of all of those earthly things, what do we have? We have heaven and all that that means. And our only hope of heaven is Jesus Christ. And so if you have Christ and your hope is in heaven, you will not easily be shaken. So let me ask you, what's the difference between faith and hope? Have you thought through that a little bit in your mind? Well, here's some definitions. I, d- I just made these up. You can look up better ones, I'm sure, in some systematic theology. But faith is trusting God's Word, God's promises about something He says He will do for you in the present. Because of who He is and because of something He's already accomplished in the past. So faith is trusting God's Word, God's promise about something He says He will do for you in the present because of who He is and because of something He's already accomplished in the past. So, justification is an example of this. You, tr- you, you open the Bible, you look at God's Word, you look at God's promises, and it says that all who trust in Jesus Christ will be made right. right? God's promise that you right now will be declared righteous. Why? Because of God's character to be faithful to you in that, and because that Christ historically lived died, was buried, rose again, is ascended and is interceding for you. So it's something God has already historically accomplished and He says that He will do for you justification if you trust Him and trust in what Christ has already done. Do you see how that's faith? Now hope's a little bit different than that. Hope is trusting God's Word and God's promises. Yes, about something He says He will do for you when? Not in the present, but when? In the future. That's a key difference. Because of who He is, yes, but also because of His faithful track record. Look at who God is. Can God ever lie? No. He's eternal. Yes. He's unchanging. Yes. He's omnipotent. Yes. All-knowing. All-powerful. So He can make promises because, beloved, He is already there in the, at the fulfillment of His promises in the future, right? He's already there. He inhabits 
past, present, and future. He's eternal. He sees it all as one thing. And so, because of who He is and because of His faithful track record in the past, you look at all the the narratives of Scripture and you can see that God said, I will do this. And does He ever fail when He says, I will? Never. He always does what He says He will do. He's faithful. And so when God says to you, heaven is yours because of Christ, you can hope in Christ and hope in the Word of God. And you will, it will, you will not be confused or confounded or, or, or ashamed at the end of that hope. Now think about hope in that way for a minute. Some of you have been closer to others than the door of de- to the door of death, yes? And that's an uncertain place to be in our hearts. And when you really think about it, push your mind there. Don't, don't say, no, I won't think about that. You go there in your mind and you say, wow, when I'm coming to the end and there's nothing left ahead but the passage from this life into the next, what will you set your hope on? Will you try to ward that day away and not think about it and be terrified? It's our temptation, right? To be terrified of it. I've never been there before. God has never yet brought you from this life into the next. When you think on it, it's, it's unsettling. But the Lord calls us as believers to hope in Christ. Because He says, if you have your hope in Christ, He will bring you safely there. And you don't know how He's going to provide for you in that moment. How could you? Everything that He's going to do to make it a gracious passage for you. I mean, stories in history tell you about that, right? Thomas Cranmer comes to mind, the illustration where at first he had signed the recantation letter to not make the Bible accessible in English to the English people. And then he, was, he, he, he knew that he had done wrong, right? And he repented of his sin and said, no, I'm, I'm going to continue this. And so Queen Mary, Bloody Mary, right, uh, had him burned at the stake. And what did he put in the flames first? The hand that signed the recantation, you know, the, the recantation letter. And those who watched him say during that whole thing, he didn't make a noise. What is that? That is grace, right? It's grace. You have no idea how God is going to provide grace to us in the days of transition. Our heart must be in heaven but our hope in Christ, and that will not be a misplaced hope for you. So, let me read to you some verses about hoping in Christ and how hope in Christ guarantees for you, without a shadow of a doubt, that heaven will be your home. As we consider the body of Christ on the cross, with our guilt upon Him, crushed under the wrath of God. Listen to these verses. Romans 5.2 Through Him. Through Him. Through whom? Jesus Christ. Because of His righteous life, His atoning death, His resurrection, 
because of the historic acts that God worked in Christ for the forgiveness and reconciliation of sinners to Himself, through Him, what do we have now? What do, what do wretched, wrath-deserving sinners have? We have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And here's the phrase I wanted you to see and connect with through Him. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Through Jesus Christ, every believer who has their hope set upon Christ, His saving work, rejoices in the hope, the confident expectation of the glory of God. Meaning, you will see and enjoy and reflect the glory of God in heaven. That gift will be forever yours because of Christ. You will enjoy the glory of God forever. That's an amazing reality that the attributes of God would be eternally enjoyed by you. That you would know His love and His care and His grace forever. Through Christ, it's yours. You, you have nothing to fear then moving from this life to the next. You can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. In Him, we have obtained inheritance in Christ. Right, An Inheritance, again, speaking of what is to come, mostly what is to come. Having been predestined according to the purpose of of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to what? Hope in Christ. You have your confident expectation set upon Christ because of the promises that God has made to you through His saving work, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the what? Praise of His glory. That's another word describing glorification. If you have your hope set on Christ, one day you will be transferred from this life into the next and all of your sin will be removed, meaning even the very presence of your sin. And you will be able to perfectly enjoy and reflect the glory of God as He created you to. That is the promise of those who hope in Christ. Are you hoping in Christ alone? Anything else? Think in that. Think of that. Is there anything else that you have your hope set on for that glory in heaven? Are you hoping in something about yourself? Some of your good behavior? Are you hoping in that? Are you hoping in something that someone else told you? Are you hoping in something that you do regularly? Are you hoping in a church? Are you hoping in a family tradition? What are you hope? What do you have your anchor set in that, that you use in your mind to tell you, I'll think I'll make it? Christ alone. Christ alone must be your hope. If you have your hope set on anything but Christ alone, these promises are not for you. You 
if, if, you are, if you're hoping in something else other than Christ for heaven, you will know the wrath of God, beloved. You will be disappointed. You will be terrified. I don't want that for you. When you, when you think about that day coming, it is horrific in your mind. It is not worth being confused about in this life. It's not worth putting off those thoughts. You must have your hope in Christ alone. He will bring you to the Father. That's what He said. What a glorious illustration is in Roman, or John chapter 14 where He says, My Father's house of many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me where I am. I am the way. There's no, there's no other road that gets there. Hope in Christ alone. He is the way. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that You bore our sins in Your body on the cross so that we can hope in You to bring us safely home. We are so thankful. 1 Timothy 4.10 says, For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. As we consider the blood of Christ. God, from cover to cover in the Scriptures, requires the blood sacrifice, the pouring out of one's life. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And so because Christ poured out His life His blood in death. We hope in Him and are promised eternal life. Ephesians 2, 11-13 Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that at Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. See, that, that's the condition of all people who are outside of Christ. We're hoping in something other than Christ. Beloved, it, it is a heartbreaking thing to think that most of the world, most of the people on planet earth right now are hoping in something other than Christ. And most people are very, very religious. You just, like, like what Brother Jeremy was praying this morning, you scan the globe and you see people doing all manner of religious things and putting their hope in all kinds of things. Reaching out to gods that do not exist. That is our condition without Christ. No hope. How disappointing and frightening to consider when you come to the end of your life in this life. Verse 13, though. But now, Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
Those who have been brought near by the blood of Christ now have hope. And it's not a wish. (laughs) It's a confident expectation that you will enjoy all of the covenant blessings of being the people of God, including entrance into the promised land. Right? Hebrews makes that transition. Ultimately, the promised land is not just a little piece of land on earth. Yes, that is what it, what it was for the, for the Israelite people and maybe will be in the future. But ultimately, what is the promised land? The place where all of God's promises are fulfilled. And what's that? Heaven. Those promises are certain. And you have hope in that now because of being in Christ. 1 Peter 1, 18-21 Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways, false religion, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest, came visible. The Son, the eternal Son, took on flesh and came here and demonstrated the glory of God and worked out the acts of salvation. He was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. You know why your faith is in God? Ultimately, because the Father from eternity planned that the Son in time would become a man and manifest Himself to us through His life and death and burial and resurrection and ascension. And through that act, by us with His precious blood and now our hopes in God. We see. We understand. It's been made clear. The Gospel was lived out before us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Our faith and our hope are now in God alone. Hebrews 6 19 through 20. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of us of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Beloved, Jesus is our only hope of being brought to the Father. He's already there. We are already in Him. He says He'll come back and get us, and He is the boat ride home. I mean, He's all of it, right? Christ alone. Jesus Christ's body hung on the cross, bore our sin, endured the wrath of God. His lifeblood was poured out even unto death. But He didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave and conquered the very last and most powerful enemy. Death itself satisfied God's requirement of His righteous law. And if you're in Him, you are living that victory now. And now He is interceding for you. He is praying for you. He is in you through His Spirit, working out His will, making you more like Himself, preparing you for the day of His return. 
and he's coming back. I love how the, our, the command to take the Lord's Supper together ends with until he comes, right? We must remember the coming of the Lord and ask for it to be soon, and it will be. Titus 2, let me share a few, a few verses about hoping in Christ as we anticipate his return. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our, what? Blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. 1 Peter 1.13 Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your, what? Hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That verse, ever since I saw it, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago now, I was teaching a Bible study back when I lived in Santa Monica through the first Peter, and I came to that verse, I'm like, it just always sets me on my heels. The, the, the massive weight of that verse, just take it in. This life will call us to prepare our minds for action. We can't just let our minds drift and shift wherever circumstances want to take them. And so it requires being sober-minded for the grace of God. And what does that look like? Set your hope fully on what? The grace that's coming when Christ returns. Really? I'm supposed to have my hope set fully on the return of Christ, hoping in nothing else? That is sweeping, isn't it? That's where my confidence lies. That ought to. Our, our confidence ought to lie there. It ought to grow. Our minds ought to grow in the direction of Christ's coming. A heart in heaven, hope set on Christ. And then 1 John 3, 1 through 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies Himself, even as He is pure. Wow, just, just take that in. Hope in Christ. Hope in His return. Hope in, in heaven. And that is a purifying effect on our lives. I pray that I will learn to grow in this area. That my hope will be set on Christ alone for all things in life. Doesn't the scriptures tell us in Him we live and move and have our being? All things. Hope in Christ. And certainly our home in heaven. May the Lord enable us to hope in Him. And again, the table reminds us of this. Christ is a worthy rock on which to place our hope. He lived. He died. He rose. He ascended. He reigns. He's interceding. And He's coming again.
this is our life. Just take in those eternal thoughts for a moment. This life is so quick, isn't it? We're so frail. And then, eternity with God. What are we doing grasping so much in this life? Right? It's, it's, all, of, it's, all, it's all of our struggle. May the Lord cause us to set our hope in Christ. 